Are you ready for the scripture today? Matthew, Matthew chapter 22. Go to Matthew chapter 22. We're going to start there. I want to talk to you about David. I'm going to talk about David this week and next week. We're going to get into different parts of David's life. We're finishing up our series on God's Hall of Fame, Heroes of Faith. And I believe this one, David, God has just really given me a, an excitement today about this in particular message. I want to talk to you about David, a heart after God, a heart after God. How many of you desire a heart after God? Raise your hand. How many of you have a heart that loves the Lord? I don't know if we talk enough about that anymore. We talk a lot about God loving us, which is where it starts. And we're going to talk about that. But there's this conversation I want to have today about us loving God, a people that love God, that have a heart for God. They love the things of God. They love the presence of God. They love the word of God. They love being with God. They love being with God's people. They love being in church. They love being the church. Everywhere they go, they look for ways to see and bless and thank God. They have a heart for God. Amen. I want to talk about that today. I want to stir that up in the atmosphere of this house. Those of you watching at home in your home, Matthew chapter 22, verse 36. We're going to start there. Jesus was asked which was the most important commandment. His response was this, teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Jesus replied, you must love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second equally important is love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all of the demands of the prophets are based on these two commands. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. On these two laws rest all the other laws and prophets. See, I really look at that and say, when a person has a love for God, has a heart for God, Obeying God becomes their desire. You know, I've had people say, when are you going to preach about telling people to stop doing this and stop doing that and, you know, don't sin here and don't sin there. And, and I believe we do have quite often conversations about how, you know, you don't have to sin anymore. Sin no longer has dominion over you, praise God, um, that consider yourself dead to sin, sin dead to you. And, and it, those, all those things are important. But I believe that a person who has a love for God and the Word of God, you can put them anywhere. And if anyone's watching or if no one's watching at all, they're still going to honor God. They can go to a hotel room by themselves and they're going to honor God in that hotel room. They can go on a business trip alone and they're going to honor God on that business trip. Are you understanding this? You can trust them with money because they're going to honor God with the money. You can trust that man or that woman because that heart for God keeps them. Even when there's marriage complications and marriage issues, when, when, when individuals have hearts for God, then God can prick their heart or touch their heart about going and, and apologizing and owning some things and listening because God has a hold of their heart. Can I get an amen on that? He's the boss and he can talk to us and we're willing to do what he says, but it's all rooted in this heart for God. I love you, God. I love you, God. And, and I want to obey and I want to please you and, and I want to do what's right in this world. I want to do right by God. I want to do right by others. And it's all rooted in this heart for God. And that's a huge thing that God looks for. It's a huge thing that'll keep you. And all of those 
concerns and issues about sin and behavioral modification, when a person is in love with God, they're gonna work that stuff out. They're gonna get over that stuff, amen? But here's the thing, if you try to force someone to change their actions without changing their heart, that's not gonna be long-lasting change. We have to change from the heart. We have to have a heart transplant, amen? That's what David's superpower was. We could say David fought Goliath and David became this mighty king of Israel, but David became that mighty king of Israel not because he was the best looking, not because he was the smartest or the tallest or the strongest. David became king of Israel because he had a heart for God. Are you understanding that? David fought Goliath because he had a heart for God, not because he was this big giant killer, but there was a giant that came and began to mock God and began to mock God's people. And the courage that David felt was the love he had for his God, the love he had for his people, and he would throw himself in front of that giant because of his love for God and God's people. Are you understanding this? It wasn't that David just went around fighting giants, but that giant touched something God loved, and that bothered David. It stirred David up. David's superpower was his love for God. And in loving God, he didn't care about his own safety. He didn't care about that. He also knew how much God loved him, and he wasn't worried about the giant because of this love relationship he had with God. That's what I want to stir us up today. That's what I want to talk to us about today is this heart of love. Loving the Lord our God with all our heart, all our might, all our soul, all our strength. Amen? So let's talk a little bit about David real quick. 1 Samuel chapter 13. 1 Samuel chapter 13. Go into the Old Testament just for a bit. In 1 Samuel 13 verses 13 and 14, you're going to see where God takes the kingdom away from Saul. Some of you aren't familiar with some of these Bible stories. One of the reasons I wanted to bring them to your attention. Saul was the first king of Israel. Before that, Israel had not had a king. They were led by judges. They were led by prophets. And then one day they said, we want to have a king like everybody else, all the other nations. And so God gave them what they desired, and he chose a man named Saul. He was a tall good-looking, strong man. Some of you were like, kind of like you. I know, I get it, I get it. He was head and shoulders above everyone else, the Bible says. God chose this man, and over time, he became very successful as the first king of Israel. But then he began to become proud. He began to do things his own way. He didn't obey God in all things. He began to, to obey God in half of the things. And he began to interpret God's commands as more like God's suggestions. And he began to put his own will above God's will. And his heart was not all the Lord's. And so God said, I'm going to take the kingdom away from you. And he's going to give them to somebody else. He's going to give it to somebody else. And that's where we find ourselves in 1 Samuel chapter 13, verse 13. So the prophet uh, Samuel uh, is basically now speaking to Saul. How foolish, Samuel exclaimed to King Saul, you have not kept the command of the Lord, the Lord your God gave you. Had you kept it, the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now your kingdom must end, for the Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. Say his own heart. His own heart. See, you understand the Lord was seeking. The Lord was looking for the heart 
of a person, right? Sought out a man after his own heart, the Lord has already appointed him to be leader of his people because you have not kept the Lord's command. So I want you to see what created the change, what brought David even into the picture. King Saul was being removed and God already had found himself another king. And the telltale of it was his heart. It was his heart that God's, got God's attention. It was his heart that qualified him to be the leader of God's people. So now go to 1 Samuel chapter 16, if you would please. So here's what happens. Saul keeps kind of leading and going, but God in his mind had already shifted and, and began to move things into order to find David, and now he had to anoint him. God needed to send the prophet Samuel to find this next king, to anoint him with oil, which would then kind of consecrate him for this assignment. Now you need to realize, back in this time period, most kings would pass the kingdom on to their son, their own family. So this was a big deal, this was a big shift. God was taking the kingdom from Saul and literally transferring it into another family line. And again, it was based on the heart of this individual. That's what God told Samuel, that's what God, Samuel told Saul, was God was looking for someone because of their heart for him. Their heart, his heart for him. So in 1 Samuel chapter 16, Samuel goes to the house of Jesse. Jesse has a bunch of sons. And the first thing Samuel does when he sees the first son is he assumes this is the one God has picked. And here's why. If you go to 1 Samuel 16, chapter, uh, verse 6, uh, when they arrived, Samuel took one look at Eliab, this was the oldest son, and thought, surely this is the Lord's anointed because of the way he looked on the outside. He was very impressive on the outside. But the Lord said to Samuel, don't judge by his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. The Lord is looking for people he can trust. And the people he can trust are the people that have a heart after God. That heart after God, again, I'm telling you, he can trust you with millions if you have a heart after God. He can trust you with followers and social media influence if you have a heart after God. Are you seeing this? He can trust you with your marriage. He can trust you with your kids. He can trust you in any area when the heart is in the right place. That is what God looked for first when choosing the next leader. It wasn't his abilities. Did David have leadership abilities? Sure, we find it later that David was a great leader. David had some great abilities, but those abilities, God wasn't so concerned about the other abilities as he was about the heart for him, because he could work with him in all the other things. You can have people that have natural leadership abilities, but if their heart isn't for God, that's not who God's looking for, to trust with his people. And so he said, man looks on the outward appearance, God looks at the heart. Then Jesse told his son Abinadab to step forward and walk in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, this is not the one the Lord has chosen. Next, Jesse summoned Shemia. But Samuel said, neither is this the one the Lord has chosen. In the same way, all seven of Jesse's sons were presented to Samuel. But Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen any of these. Then Samuel asked, are these all of your sons? There is still the youngest, Jesse replied, but he's out in the field watching the sheeps and the goats. 
Send for him at once, Samuel said. We will not sit down until he arrives. So Jesse sent for him, and he was dark and handsome with beautiful eyes. I just think that's a funny. I mean, the Bible says, hey, he's dark and handsome and he has beautiful eyes. I can just see Jesse, I mean, David with his eyes just like blinking and just like, man, those are gorgeous eyes, David. Just look at those eyes. That the Bible would record that to me is funny. You, you may not find humor, I find humor. But I also believe that the beautiful eyes is symbolic with the purity of his heart. Because the eyes are the window to what? The soul. And when the eye is pure and the eye is clean, the Bible says, the whole body is filled with light. And I think the reason the Bible says that about his eyes isn't because he had these like really beautiful eyes. I think he's saying it because the purity of his heart was so evident. Are you hearing this? And he was out in the field watching his father's sheep. None of his brothers or his father thought he was the guy. Why? They didn't even call him in when Samuel said, bring all your sons because one of them is going to be chosen king. They didn't even bother to get him because he's just out there watching the sheep. He's the youngest. He can't be the one. It must go in this logical order or these logical talents. But God doesn't judge on the outward like man judges. God looks on the inward. God judges in the heart. Amen. This people, this this man or woman who will just say, God, I just love you and I just, I obey you, I honor you and it's my pleasure to serve you. It's my pleasure to live for God. When I was a kid, I heard this sermon about this very passage uh, when I was in junior high school, which is kind of an awkward time in life anyway. Junior high is just a crazy time. Your body's all, your voice is all over the place. Your feet are growing faster than the rest of your body. You're just... Your acne is just raging. It's just crazy time. And there's this evangelist that came to our church service and he wore this t-shirt that said nerd on the front. And it was the lime green nerd shirt. And on the back, it said that scripture, man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. And he kind of challenged all of us that felt really kind of nerdy and awkward, how God saw our heart and how God was proud of us and how God uses people like us. And I remember how it resonated with me. I went and bought the shirt and I wore it to school. If I wasn't already awkward enough, now I'm literally branding myself nerd walking through the school. And then the back, it says, man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. But something about that resonated with me that it was like, God, you can find someone like me. Because as a young boy, I just loved God. I wasn't the most athletic. I wasn't the most talented in other things. I wasn't the guy that you would just choose to do stuff, but I just love God. I loved his word. When I was in junior high school, I would get up every day and I would pray for like a half an hour to an hour a day, just because I wanted to, not because my parents made me to, not because someone else was, was telling me if I did that, I would get a little check mark in a box and I'd get a prize at the end. I just wanted to get up and pray and be with God. I chose as a junior hire to start reading my Bible every day, a decision out of love, not out of obligation. Are you understanding this? Sometimes people, it's like we have to challenge people over and over again, read your Bible, read your Bible. No one had to tell me to read my Bible over and over again. I just wanted to know God. And I want to, I'm not preaching Kevin now. I'm just telling you my story on this. I don't even know how I am here as the pastor of this church, but God saw something and said, I want Kevin to be here. 
I believe it's still rooted back into that little junior high kid that just has a heart after God, just to please God. Are you understanding this? That God can trust you in the secret places. God can trust you with influence. God can trust you with things. You'll grow into it, David, because you have a heart after God. And God can speak to you, and you'll do what he said. So even if you don't know what you're doing in the beginning, it's okay because you have a heart after God. God knows what to do, and he can download it to you by revelation because you're not limited by information. You can live by revelation, and God can speak to you plans and purposes in the night season. God can speak to you beyond your ability because you have a heart after God. Your heart is soft and moldable and tender to God. I've had people before challenge me and say, you know, Kevin, you, you can have this heart after God, but what about all these other things? All these other things can fail if you don't start with a heart for God. A heart for God. And again, we're in a culture right now that talks about God's loving you, God loving you, God loving you, and that's where love for God starts. I get that. But my friends, I want to shout to the mountaintops again, let's fall in love with God too. Let's talk about our love for him in this generation, in this culture. Let's not be embarrassed that we love him, not just that he loves me. He loves, that's the whole changing the course of the river. God loves me. God wants to bless me. Well, I want to bless the Lord. I want to bless the Lord at all times. His praise forever continually be in my mouth. I want to honor God. I want to love God. I want to please God. I'm pleasing to him based on the sacrifice of Jesus. I get that. But beyond that, I still want to please him. I still want to obey him. Sometimes we talk about all this positional grace stuff and we just forget this other part that says, I still want to do good. I still want to love him. I still want to obey him. Amen. David was chosen for his heart. Not his education, not his experience, not his good looks, not his connections, but for his heart. Now inside of that heart, inside of David was a great leader, a great king, a great warrior, a great prophet. I want to say that very clearly. Inside of that young heart was a great leader, a great king, a great warrior, a great prophet. Here's what I don't want you to think. I don't want you to think having a heart after God makes you soft. Like you're just out there in the field, like playing the harp, like, I love God, I pet sheep, I play in the flowers. Because there's this like, you feel like there's this weakness maybe, because to love passionately makes you weak. You know, some of the greatest warriors in the world were some of the most passionate men and women in the world. They were passionate about their family, passionate about the woman they loved, passionate about their kids and their country. You understand, loving something deeply doesn't make you weak. Loving something deeply doesn't make you soft. Are you seeing this? Oh, they're, they're just soft. They just love people and just love and love and love. No, 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 no. Loving deeply makes you sacrifice greatly. It makes you work hard. It makes you fight and battle. Amen. There's, there's this... I think in some ways we love ourselves so much in this country and in this culture, we don't know what it means to love something outside of yourself to fight for something greater than yourself. Amen. First John chapter five, one through three says this, just talking about loving God. 
1 John chapter 5, 1 through 3. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has become a child of God. Everyone who loves the Father loves his children too. There's the loving God and loving others. We know we love God's children if we love God and obey his commandments. Listen, verse 3. Loving God means keeping his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. So I like the King James, I think, says irksome. Isn't that a great word? Irksome. And I just wanted to bring that to our attention today because when you love God, it's not a burden to do the right thing. Like saving yourself for marriage when it comes to sexuality, your sex life, right, or whatever. Maybe I should have warned you before you had kids in this service. It's PG-13. <laughs> but it's not like, oh, I mean, I can't just have sex with whoever I want. No, you can't. You get married. Then go for it, man. No. Hey. Hallelujah. But it's like, it's burdensome, it's irksome to obey God in that. Then your, your heart is not in the right place with God. Because you think God's trying to hurt you, God's trying to take something away from you, rather than loving him and knowing he loves you, and he's only asking you to do, commanding you to obey in that area of sexuality to protect you and your family. Are you hearing this? How many times do people get annoyed by God's word and will and law and things? When your heart is right before God, it never annoys you when God says something to you about obedience. Like, yeah, it may fight your flesh a little bit, you know, like go apologize. Don't hold offense towards somebody. It may touch your pride. It may, it may be a challenge a bit, but it's not like irksome or burdensome. It's like, no, I have to forgive. I have to go apologize. I have to go repent. I have to make this right. When the Lord says, spare not the assembly of the body, you, you come together and it's not a burden. It should never be a burden to come to the house of the Lord. Now, sure, you're busy and there's times you go on vacation. We were just on vacation. Go on vacation, fine. That's what we're saying. But serving in the church isn't a bother. Amen. Giving your offerings and your tithes is not a bother. It's not a burden. It's not irksome. Are you hearing me? Because your heart is just like, yeah, it's God's. I love this, you know, just talking about treasure and heart real quick. First Chronicles chapter 29, verse 1 through 3. Look at David, this guy with the heart after God. Look at David. This is the end of David's life. So he's been loving God, he's been king a long time, all these different things, but his heart for God keeps growing the older he gets. Don't you love that? Those of you that are over 50, 60, 70, 80, I believe your heart for God should be more passionate now than it was when you were in your 20s and 30s because you've spent more time with God. You've seen his faithfulness. You've heard his voice more than the rest of us. You've seen him prove himself. Are you seeing this? The longer you spend with God, the more you love God. That's where David was. David didn't love God more when he was fighting Goliath than he did at the end of his life. The king 
Then King David, the Bible says, this is 1 Chronicles 29, 1 through 3, then King David turned to the entire assembly and he said, my son Solomon, whom God has clearly chosen as the next king of Israel, is still young and inexperienced. The work ahead of him is enormous for the temple he will build is not for mere mortals, it is for the Lord himself. Listen to David now. He was gathering materials to build the temple of God. He knew he wasn't gonna build it because he was gonna die, he was getting older. His son was gonna build it, but look what he did. Verse two, using every resource at my command, I have gathered as much as I could for building the temple of my God. Now there is enough gold, silver, bronze, iron, and wood, as well as great quantities of onyx, other precious stones, costly jewels, all kinds of fine stones and marble. So he just gathered and amassed all of this materials. He wasn't even gonna be the one to see it. He was gonna be gone. He wouldn't even see it, but he still wanted to be a part of it. He wanted to gather the materials. He wanted to do everything he could. Why? Because they were about to build a temple that was gonna honor the God that he loves with all of his heart. Isn't that awesome? There's people that won't give to something if they're not gonna be around to see it. And then there's people that say, I'm gonna give, even if it outlives me, I'm gonna to give to that thing. I wanna be a part of that move. I wanna be a part of that thing. That was David's heart. Verse three, and now because of my devotion to the temple of my God, I'm giving all of my own private treasures of gold, silver to help in the construction. Isn't that awesome? This is in addition to the building materials I've already collected for the temple. So David got all these materials together and then he said, now it's time for me to give my offering is all of my gold, everything I have, I'm gonna give to build that temple. And this is in his old years, older age. It's just his desire. Can you still feel the love he has for this God coming out of him, like exuding from him? I just wanna be a part of that. I just wanna give to it because you begin to give to things you love and to things that you care about. Now, how do we get this heart for God? How, where does it come from? I don't wanna miss the scripture in 1 John 4, 19. Please write it down. Because this is huge, it's a big deal that we love him because he first loved us. That's important. We don't fall in love or run after a God who's disinterested in us, who isn't touched by our pain or our emotions. We're not trying to get him to love us in our love for him. He loved us first. And when you see that he loves you, a mere mortal, when you see that he loves you, he places his love on you by choice. Not because you qualified for it, not because you, you, you somehow did something impressive. He just decided I love you. I love mankind. I wanna make them and I wanna buy them back when they were lost. I'll fight for them. You have to see that God loves you first. So all of this like offering David gives to God is not trying to get God to like him, is not trying to get God to be impressed with him. God is already impressed with you because he made you. You are his image. Do you see that? Can you feel that peace real quick? And so there is this revelation that, God, how could you love me, a sinner? And then when you see that God died in my place and gave me a grace 
that I could not earn or deserve and gives me position to talk to him. I am a human being. I am dust of the earth. I do not qualify, but yet now I can go boldly into the throne of grace of the God of heaven and earth and find grace to help me in time of need. Who am I that I can even speak to the God of the universe? And not only that, his ear is bent towards my prayer. I mean, that moves me to let myself imagine that and to say, God, I, I, I have no words but worship. I, I love you. You love me. You love me first. You love me most. I love you. My love is a response to his love. So that is foundational. But it's not just a revelation of his love that I want to talk to you about. I think you also fall in love with God by spending time with God. It's one thing, again, positionally to kind of understand the theology that he loved me and all this stuff, and it's good. But then there's this other part that's just like, I just want to be with him. When I talk to God and I pray, he talks back. He does. He answers questions. He gives wisdom and insight. There's complicated things. I don't know what to do. I don't understand the next step, but I can go before God and I say, God, this is bigger than me. And I just put my hands out like this and I pray in the Holy Spirit and he begins to talk to me and lead me and guide me with my next steps. And I love him for that. When I read his word, I love what he does in people's lives. I love watching him take out giants. I love watching him part Red Seas. I love watching him bring people up out of lion's dens and to know that, that those stories are in there, not just for me to read about them, but for me to see who he is and what he'll do in my life too. I love watching him heal the blind and raise the cripple. When I was, a, a little, when I was in, first going to church back in junior high, that little junior high heart I was telling you about, Actually, it was a little earlier than that. It was in elementary school. My parents went to this little Assembly of God church, and these little evangelists would come through on Sunday nights, and God always showed up on Sunday nights. It was testimonies and an evangelist, and they would start praying for people. I'm talking faster than I can think, so hold on. Let me spin this down. They would start praying for people, and all of a sudden, they'd start, like, falling down. I had no idea what that was. I was like, why are they pushing people down? Some of you have no idea what I'm talking about. But a, 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 a pastor or a minister would come up and they'd just like put a hand on somebody and somebody would just go, Phew. And as like a sixth grader, I had no idea what that was, but I was like, that's so awesome. And it was, here's what it is. God's presence comes upon somebody's physical body and their body can't contain it, so they fall out. That's what it's called. Some people used to call it being slain in the spirit. That's kind of scary. So we don't use that phrase as much. It's like the spirit slaying people. It's just your body just gets overcome by God's presence and you just drop to your knees or your back or your face or whatever. And I'd watch God just touch people and they'd be crying and snotting and rolling and all kinds of stuff. But they'd come up and they'd be free or healed, or blessed, and it was just bigger. You see, what it was, it was just God was just bigger. It wasn't that God was just always cerebral and logic and teaching. God can be experiential too, but then he doesn't throw out reason and logic and thinking and wisdom. He, he's it all, he brings it all together. 
And so I love just watching the move of God and watching God and being in. I'm my kids, man. I tell them when we were in college, Maria would take me to these believers convention things that we would go to. We'd sit and listen to God's word being preached from 10 o'clock or 9 o'clock in the morning till midnight. Midnight! That's a lot of sermons. And I would write notes and notes and notes, and I'm a college person. I'm like 20, 21 years old. And there was a stadium of like 15,000 other nuts like me, hungry for God, passionate for God. We didn't have anywhere else we wanted to go. We just wanted to be there hearing God's word. Because we believed God's word was changing us internally, changing us mentally, changing our situation. Are you understanding this? And we have people who are like, I can't sit through a 30 minute sermon, that's too long. It's just because you don't get it, man. You just don't get it. And I'm not trying to make fun of you. I'm just trying to say, look, there's more to Jesus and more to church and more to this thing that Jesus died for than a one-hour sermon with a 30, or not even, a 30-minute sermon? 10, 15 minutes of worship? What, are you kidding me? That's not worth me laying my life down for to just this this easy, user-friendly church, like, then we're just missing it. And you know what? Okay, I'm about to get all... Listen, our world is changing, and playing games in church doesn't work. You can have crowds and concerts and all kinds of stuff, but somewhere along the way, people have got to fall in love with God again. People have to become consumed with God again. By revelation, of his love for them by revelation that his word is alive and active and it's producing something in you. That's why I can listen to 12 hours of sermons because those sermons are producing something in me. It's not a waste of my time. That you might find a preacher that's just speaking sermons and little stories and anecdotes, that's not the word. But when it's filled with the word, it's filled with life. It's filled with power. It's food for the soul. Are you seeing what I'm saying? The Word of God is what created the universe. And so when the Word is being preached under the anointing of God, it can produce light bees, stars, the water part. And you understanding? Miracles happen. The Word under the anointing being preached produces. And so I just am trying to stir this up again. Like, look, this is not about cutesy. This is not about all that stuff. There's a hunger for God a love for God, to be in his presence, to be with his people. Great sacrifice comes out of that. Great everything. And I I don't have time right now to go into the, the David and Goliath story, but I want you to see that. Like what compelled David to run after Goliath? Goliath began to mock the God he loves. Goliath began to mock the people of God. And when you love God, it bothers you. I don't know what's going on with us in the church world right now, but our world is mocking Jesus and the church on this high level, and it doesn't bother us. It doesn't concern us. We're like, eh, just the way it is. Do you see 
why this is a big deal today? Where's our heart for God anymore? When somebody mocks God or somebody belittles his people or his church and makes, mocks, makes fun, nothing in us rises up. Nothing in us gets on our knees to pray and ask for a breakthrough or change. Nothing moves us anymore. Let me say something. If you mock my wife, you know what's going to happen? I'm going to take my pastor license. I'm going to set it on the table. And you're not going to meet Pastor Kevin. You're going to meet a husband, Kevin. Come on. And I'm going to lay hands on you. Why? Because I love my wife. You mock my children. You, you abuse. You hurt. You disrespect my children. Do you understand this? Why? Because you love. You love. Love doesn't make you weak. Love doesn't make you soft. And you know what? I love God. And so, yeah, I get bothered by a culture that mocks Jesus. I get bothered by a culture that doesn't understand. Yes, they're blind. They're dead inside. And so I have to give them grace and mercy to the person, to the people, but not to the spirit of the age. Not to the God of this world that's using and manipulating and speaking through them, pushing his agenda. I'm not mad at the people because those people are lost sons and daughters of God. Do you hear me? They are not my enemy, but the spirit of this age is my enemy. That spirit that is anti-Christ, anti-God is our enemy. And the way we oppose it is with the light of God, with the love of God, with the truth of God. But I do want us again to start like David getting awakened when a giant is out there mocking God and his people. Something in us should say, that's not okay. That is not right. Because of love for God, because of love for his church, because of love for his word. Did you receive anything out of that today? Go ahead and stand up. Go ahead and stand up. Let me pray this into your heart. Let me pray this into your heart. There's a lot more notes on the app you can go see. Some action points today. Number one, receive God's love for you and let yourself fall in love with him by understanding that he loved you first. Next, spend some time with him. Spend some time with God this week. Go take some extra time to pray, to spend some time reading your Bible, to hearing testimonies and stuff. Just falling in love with God all over again by being with him. It's hard to fall in love with him when you're never with him. If you're only with him for an hour and a half on a Sunday, that's not enough. Go enjoy him. Talk to him, be with him, love him, spend time with him. Okay, that's our action today. Understand he loves you first, receive that love. And this week, go spend some time with God, enjoying God, loving God, falling in love with him all over again. Let me pray this into your heart. Heavenly Father, right now in Jesus' name, I pray over this house, I pray over this body. Lord, like David, a man after your own heart, a man that you could trust with great leadership, great 
authority. Lord, I ask that you help us to see your love for us, to receive that love and respond in love. But God, I pray you just help us awaken again to loving God, loving your word, loving being in your presence, loving church and being together as a body of Christ and loving the things of God, loving God. Help us to fall in love with you all over again. Restore to us the joy of our salvation. Lord, I just thank you. Help us to see all the ways you bless and take care of us. Help us to start seeing your love all around us and help us to respond in kind. I thank you that this church has a heart after God. This church, its people have hearts after God. Lord, if we're together, you can trust us. When we're apart, you can trust us because we have hearts after God. If you can agree with that, say a big amen. 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 Give God praise, would you please? Give God praise. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. All right. Before I dismiss you, and again, this is a moment that's really important to God, I would ask if you don't have to, that you'll just stay standing still for the next two minutes. God loves this moment, therefore I love this moment. And that's when people give their hearts to Jesus. The Bible says that all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That means all of us need a savior. The Bible goes on to say the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ the Lord. And the Bible gives us the how. The Bible says all who will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so today God's love is being extended to you. He does love you. Just, he just loves you. In spite of all the mess and the craziness, he loves you. And he's reaching his hand out to you and he's saying, if you'll call on me to be your Lord and savior, I will save you. I will forgive you of your sins and I will be your God and you will be my child. And so if you've never called on the name of the Lord to save you, let's do that today. Or if you are like, Pastor Kevin, I've walked away from God. I've had this whole journey of running away from God and I'd like to restart. I'd like to renew my faith, renew my love for God. If that's you, I want you to call on him today as well. So here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna have you bow your heads and close your eyes. Go ahead and do that, would you? And I'm gonna count to three. When I get to three, if you say, Pastor Kevin, I wanna call on the name of the Lord Jesus to be my savior, to be my God today. For the first time, when I hit three, I want you to raise your hand. If you say, I wanna recommit my life and start fresh, when I count to three, just raise your hand and we'll pray for you right at your seat. Ready? Let's make that decision right now. One, two, three. If that's you, would you put your hand up this morning? I need to give my life to Jesus or I need to recommit my life to Jesus. There's one hand there, I see it. Anybody else, a second hand there? Anyone else today? I'm on this side right now. Just put it up high so I can see it. All right, in the center. Is there a third hand back there? Thank you, I see that. Four over there, great. Anyone else? Just put it up. Awesome. All right, church, let's all pray together, would you? So no one's praying by themselves. Repeat this prayer after me. Dear God, I thank you that you see me just as I am. I realize I've sinned and I've walked away from you. I receive Jesus Christ today as my Lord and Savior. I believe that he died for me and that he rose again. Please forgive me of my sins. Wash me, cleanse me, make me new. Fill me with your Holy Spirit 
Take every part of me now. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you give God praise for those four? Welcome home. Amen. Thank you for listening. We hope you've been blessed by the ministry of Calvary Orlando. We invite you to join us in person at Calvary Orlando for one of our Sunday morning worship experiences each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. To find out more about Calvary, please visit our website at calvaryorlando.org. Here you can find our latest events and ministry opportunities. Thanks for listening and God bless.